Alex, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm I'm getting by. We're uh, what seven weeks into uh, coronavirus quarantine. How's how's life up in Wisconsin? Uh, it is crazy busy for me. So uh, my wife um, works in a pharmacy, so she has to work go to work every day. Um, we closed down our office on March thirteenth, so I've been working from home since then. Um, but the fun part is my three-year-old daughter stopped going to daycare about a week after I started working from home. So it's just yep. me and her all day, every day, while I'm trying to do my real work and uh, look after a, a kid. So, yeah, it's been exciting and interesting and fun. Well, I'm sure that's nice to spend a little bit more time with the kid, though. Like, you know, just, uh, it is. It's, it's not the same, but my, uh, my dogs have been like... Uh, under my desk for seven weeks and we haven't like really left the house for much of anything. So I'm sure when we go back to work, things will be weird. It's, it's exactly the same. She guns and hides under my desk. <laughs> uh, actually one of the dogs is out, under the desk right now. So, um, so since the last time we talked, I think the last time we talked, your car was 100% together and it what was yellow and yep. it made four uh, hundred something horsepower. Yeah. What what what's changed? Uh, well, all of those things have changed except the power. Power's about the same. Um, but yeah, so we um, took it all apart. Uh, basically, um, again, you insulted me and told me how ratty my car was looking at the end of last year. Um, actually, I think it's, you just told me to, always with love. I think you just told me to wash it or something like that. Uh, but we <laughs> took it, took it all apart, um, and sent it off to be repainted. Um, and it really came, it actually came from, um, we did a, a white body kit on it. So we bought a Jay's racing white body kit, um, really because to run the max tire that we can run, um, on the stock body, we had to run these super custom wheels and they were getting bent and beat up and, um, stuff like that. So, you know, it was kind of economical or it seemed like it was going to be economical at the time to buy a wide body kit. Uh, and then we could run essentially off the shelf wheels, um, and run the max tire size. Um, so for we grid did life, that. which is 285. 285, yeah, for Grid Life Street Mod, 285, uh, 3018s is what we want to run. Um, so we, we bought this white body kit, we test fitted it on the car, took it down to Barber, which is the last time we talked, and, and everything ran uh, fairly well down there. Um, brought it back, took the car 100% entirely You, you and I almost had uh, a close encounter with the, uh, the, the, the wall in, uh, what was that? Right yeah. after turn three? Right after turn three, yeah. We, we managed to spin going in a straight line. Um, did a complete 180. And was going backwards down the track. Um, and I was pretty convinced we were going into the wall. But I think but I think your exact words we were, uh, no, 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 no. And yeah, something like that. It might, might not have been no, but it was something that got repeated uh, a whole bunch of times. <laughs> so, yeah, we spun around. And we're facing backwards down the track and, and kind of trying to figure out what I'm going to do, taking stock, right? Looking at all these cars coming towards me. Um, and and pretty quickly saw that I trusted them all. Um, so decided to, to 
try and keep it on the track rather than just let it go where it wanted to go. Sure. Uh, and of course, one of the car, one of the cars is Andy. You know, that's that's watching me go backwards down the track and and probably laughing his head off. I think he was flashing his brights at me and stuff like that <laughs> as we went backwards. So that that was exciting. Um, but yeah, that was that was the last time that the car's been on track. That was back in in January. Uh, we took it a hundred percent apart, all, all the way down to a bare shell. I think the only things left in it were the the front and rear subframe and the um, uh, uh, steering rack. Uh, everything else was out of it. Um, all of the wiring, all of the the door panels, the glass, all of the interior. We we did all of the you know regular weight saving things, scraping off all of that sound insula- insulation mm-hmm. and, and all of that kind of stuff, um, and sent it off to be uh, painted by Micaiah, um, who has the the TTRS, um, and we decided to go with a pretty wild shade of green. Um, I've always been kind of a fan of green cars, and I I wanted the car to stand out. Um, so didn't want to choose a factory color or a variation of a, a factory color. So that ruled out, you know, yellow, white, silver, black, red, um, and left us really with orange or purple or pink or green. Um, and I chose green. So we, it's, we it's picked, very green. It's really green. Um, it's, it's a Porsche color. Um, at its base, and then Makai added a bunch of uh, blue pearl into it, um, and I think it looks awesome. It's not going to be for everybody, but it will stand out, and it looks awesome. I, uh, in my opinion, when you showed me the pictures, I it's it's really it's a remarkable transformation. I know that uh, you know it was maybe maybe Brandon that kind of forged the path for the the Minnesota Wisconsin people on how to put together kind of an insane, uh, trackable, highly competitive car that's also SEMA caliber builds. And uh, this this has got to be pretty close to that. <laughs> uh, it's not quite... I, I, I think the pictures make it look a little bit better than it is. I mean, it, it's super high quality. It's, it's far better than I thought it was going to be. Um, it's not SEMA quality, though, but it's it's really good. It's it's better than we were going for. Um, I wanted a, a budget paint job, and I think I've got, you know, maybe not maybe not uh, a Rolls Royce, but maybe I got the Cadillac. Well, that's that's not too bad. No, it's not bad at all. Now, uh, does Micaiah do that kind of work, um, like for just random public? Could like could a listener of the show go get their car painted uh, at Micaiah's shop? No, uh, they can't. It's actually a very exclusive club. And um, I, I've even found out since then that even Micaiah's own car didn't get to go through the Micaiah paint shop, um, <laughs> which is was kind of scary. But yeah, it's his job is um, really working with businesses and, and doing business to business work on um, getting cars ready to go to show or, or go to um, dealers and things like that. And this was a side project that he picked up kind of as a favor to me. Um, and I, I think some sort of, I don't want to say like, like self betterment, but kind of a project that, that kind of interested him at the same time. Sure. Um, so he, he offered to do this and took it on and, 
um, has done a fantastic job. So I, I couldn't be happier with the work that he's done. Well, and that's that's really only talking about the exterior, but with all of the yep. wiring changes, what did you do? What did you do inside the interior? So while it was apart, um, we figured it was a good time to uh, rewire the entire car and get rid of all of the stuff that isn't needed on a street mod car and all of the wiring. So what, what's the we, list of things that are not needed on a street mod car? Uh, I have no idea um, I, because I think we have pretty much everything still works. All the turn signals work, the headlights work, the high beams work, the brake lights work, tail lights work, everything on the car works. The blower fan works inside. Um, there's no radio in it anymore, um, but there hasn't been for a while. Um, it's not like you can hear it anyway with all that sound deadening. Right. Going. I guess we don't have power mirrors anymore. Um, you got to manually adjust the mirrors, um, but but we got rid of. We we basically pulled out all of the wiring harness, um, took out the fuse box and all of the relays and all of that kind of stuff, and um, we bought something called a PDM or a power distribution module, um, which is this like is a, like it's, true race car stuff. Yeah, it's but the the funny thing is um, the car is more streetable since we did this in my opinion than it was in january in what way um uh, so we so this pdm it's like an ecu essentially for all of your electronics so you um have we got a, it's from a company called hardwire electronics in the uk um which has a bit leery about buying some british electronics um for the car but but we did it anyway um, yeah, it's because it's, you know bentley's and rolls royces are known for their reliability and Jaguars and Land Rovers and Lotuses and all of those cars, you know, all, all cars I love actually. But there we go. <laughs> um, so so it's like an ECU for um, the electronics. Um, it has a number of inputs into it where you can feed in switch signals and and things like that, and then it has twenty five outputs on it that you can create circuits, um, and those circuits you can set. Um, what you want your fuses to be on each of them. Um, so in, in the programming or the configuration of this thing, you can say that for my headlights, I want uh, a 10 amp circuit. And if it ever goes above 10 amps, then we'll blow the fuse. We can then say, okay, if the fuse blows, retry it after a second. So switch it back on. So if something goes bad on the car, we can tell it retry two or three times before you permanently blow that fuse. And Interesting. Permanently blown means until we power cycle it. So, um, you know, it, the, the headlights will try and come on three or four times if, if they're blowing the fuse. We can also say for the first 200 milliseconds, um, we don't want a 10 amp circuit, we want a 20 amp circuit. So uh, HID headlights that draw a lot of current while they're warming sure. up. We can say, okay, you get, you get 30 amps and for the first two seconds or, or one second, whatever we want it to be, and then it drops down to 20 amps. Interesting. So we, we've done that for all of our, um, basically every every circuit that's left in the car with the exception of the electric, electric power steering. It's still on a traditional fuse and, and relay circuit. Okay. And what about, I assume like the, the water pump and all of that is still factory? Uh, yeah, water pump's mechanical water pump. So that's that's just driven by the engine, um, but 
But anyway, so we, we can do this, and then we can do some fancy things. So we can have things like timers. So for our turn signals, you know, we can um, set up timers so that they're on or off at a half second each time and, and things like that. So um, we've been able to create like the, like the Le Mans style headlight flashes where you push a button on the steering wheel now and the headlights will flash very quickly for, for 10 seconds or, or not 10 seconds, three seconds. Um, and then we've got our, what we call party mode or, or panic mode where you push one button and then it, <laughs> it just looks like a cop car with all of the headlights flashing individually, the brake lights and, and turn signals all flashing and strobing and all that kind of stuff. So that, so that's some of the fun things that we can do with that. Um, but it's also got CAN communication, so we can wire it into the, the ECU. Um, so, you know, one of the, the potential things we can do is um, if the car spins and the RPM drops and, and it kills the car, if that happens and we have foot on clutch and brake, we can trigger the starter motor. Oh, interesting. So we can program it to automatically restart the car and, and you know, just little things like that. But where it becomes more of a streetcar or more streetable than it was in um, January is because of that CAN communication, we've wired it into our AEM dash now. So what we didn't have last year was um, any, you know, the little indicators showing up when the turn signals are turned on or when the headlights are on or things like that. Okay. We have all that back now. So all that stuff was lost last year and you just kind of had to know if the turn signals were on. Um, now we've got it on the, um, on the dash so you can see all that kind of stuff. So we're more streetable and more legal. Uh, than we were back then. Um, but what we've lost is like the turn signal stalk. It's not operated by a stalk anymore. It's a button on the steering wheel instead. Um, is it like the, press and hold or do you just like, nope. uh, is it uh, like push on, push off kind of? Yep. Push it on, push it off. Um, and, and you can configure those things as well. You can configure your inputs to be either momentary or what they call latched. Okay. Yeah. So... Yeah, we can do things like um, turn the brake lights on with the push of a button if we want, or with the brake light switch. Um, fun things like that. So, so watch out. <laughs> so, if you were uh, ever wanting to cannonball or something like that, you could control all of your whether or not your taillights are on or anything like that too. Yeah. Yep. We can shut the taillights off individually from the headlights. Um, the brights are uh, actually both, each of the brights are on a different circuit, so we can turn the left and the right one on individually. Can you give me a scenario where that might be useful? Uh, fuses, right? If if you blow one of them, then the other oh, one I still see. works. Interesting. And party mode. You can make it's them flash very individually. Important. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's uh, there, there might be, but probably not, an event in uh, July that doesn't exist that you might be able to bring the car to. Because I really want to see party mode. <laughs> well, we'll be there. And this this event that doesn't exist that may not happen. Uh, man, uh, what was it? This weekend, Adam was at Gingerman for the first time this year. Um, yeah. Three Balls Racing had um, an event. I don't know. He said probably 80 cars came to it. Um, lots of people we know. I know that uh, Luke McGrew and Eric uh, Meadows had brought the Miata GLTC cars that they have and Adam took his car and drove, and um, uh, Anish, 
Um, Ramarkani from uh, Speed Freaks brought his and uh, his S2000 and GLTC specs. So it's been a lot of uh, people, I think, with pent up driving energy. Yeah, yeah. I wish we were uh, were ready for that. Um, we are where well, we should be today. I should be talking to from the car. Actually, we should be halfway between um, Eagles Canyon and Nola today on one lap. But oh, uh, that obviously got pushed back to next year. It's uh, what has happened to the racing season as a you know consequence of COVID nineteen is I think is kind of crazy, right? Because it's it's compressed the motorsport motorsport schedule from twenty twenty um, for everybody, you know, from Formula One to the Indy five hundred to us, and it's yeah. it's it's very bizarre. Because you have yeah. uh, season tickets to Circuit of the Americas for the uh, U.S. Grand Prix. Has there been any announcement yep. on what's happening there? No, not yet. Um, so I get um, Formula One tickets every year. And then as part of that, I have to buy MotoGP tickets. Um, okay. And MotoGP is normally mid-April. I think it was like April 13th this year. Um, and that didn't happen. That got pushed back to November. Um, but I want to say normally I'm being told I've got to pay for my F1 tickets like around this time and I have not heard a peep out of them. So I'm going to be kind of surprised if it goes ahead and, and happens. Um, but if it, you know, or with fans, um, I, I, yeah, I'll be surprised if we're down there this fall, um, which will be the first time since uh, 2012 I haven't been. That's well, first wild. time since 2011, I should say. So yeah, um, but like uh, a British Grand Prix has has been confirmed that there will not be tickets sold. There won't be any fans there. I think French Grand Prix is the same. Um, so it's it, it's going to be a crazy year for for all of us. Well, I know that uh, if Ashley and I don't go to the Canadian Grand Prix, there's um, a really good chance that our car won't be stolen by a bunch of Canadians. So I'm pretty excited about not losing another vehicle in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I don't know if there's one you don't like, you could go park it there and get rid of it. Collect on the insurance. So um, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. I had seen in Facebook, Facebook marketplace, uh, a Mugen Civic for sale here in Indianapolis. And I posted it into the GLTC um, group page and everyone's first response was that I was selling my car and there was like a lot of people that were upset. Um, and I was like, no, 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 this is just another car in the area. You should turn it into a GLTC car. But, Oh man, you make, so, there's, there's enough purists out there. They'll be so mad about that. <laughs> yeah. Chopping well, up a Mugen. Uh, speaking of rare cars, I saw that a, uh, a low mileage CR went for a crazy amount on bring a trailer this week. Are you, yeah. are you at all tempted? No, no, mine's not nice enough to sell. Um, I've got mine's in the garage right now. I got it out. I've driven it for like 30 miles or so this year so far. Um, need to do the oil on it, but no, I'm, I'm not getting rid of mine. I'm keeping How many it. aisles are on yours? Uh, 23,000. So it's not crazy low miles. But and yours is black? Yeah, black. Which is a, I mean, obviously all CRs are rare, but that is uh, less, more more common than yellow, is that right? Mine's the most common 
combination. Mine is gotcha. a 2008 black with AC, and, and of all of them, that's the one they made the most of. Um, well, still was not I, that many. No, no, I, I I forget how many there are. You know, probably six, seven hundred, something like that. It is but, kind of remarkable that uh, your 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 CR was made in fewer numbers than my silly car, and I bet you your car is worth three times more than my car is. Uh, I would hope. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> At least, yeah, maybe, maybe four so, times. I know. Did I tell you the story about when I bought that? Because I don't they recall. Just, they could not get rid of these things. So my, my car was sitting in the deal a lot for over a year. And I paid a crazy price for it. I paid less than a third of what that yellow one just sold for. For mine, brand new. And well, I don't know what it is about certain Hondas, but uh, I was casually looking at pricing for used uh, Type R's. And it seems like a two or three year old Type R is the same price that it was when it was new. Yeah. Yeah, I can believe that. Um, I mean, it's a cool car, but man, that's that's kind of salty. I mean, I guess <laughs> the new ones are a little bit more expensive than that. So. But so so I I signed the papers and all that on this car that that I got for a crazy good deal. And then, um, this was in Madison and then dealer in Milwaukee, they had a yellow, um, delete model and they called me. I must've been like emailing all the dealers cause, cause this dealer in Madison would not like, I was trying to get them to talk money and, and they wouldn't do it, but I didn't want to say like, Hey, I want to buy that car. Cause I wanted to buy that car for cheap. Right. Um, so I was like emailing other dealers to try and, you know, see what they had in this, this dealer in Milwaukee, emailed me after I'd signed the papers and said, hey, whatever the deal is that you've agreed to on that other car, walk away from it. We'll sell you ours for a thousand less. Oh, jeez. And I'm still to this day kicking myself for not buying both of them. I mean, because yeah. What do uh, what do the deletes go for these days? Uh, and I, I don't pay that much attention. I think that yellow one that sold, um, Umbring a Trailer was a delete, so... If you don't drive them, they go for like eighty grand. It's a lot of money. Seventy-five grand, eighty grand, something like that. <laughs> I told Andy I was chit-chatting with him the other day. I'm sure he loves it when I bother him when he's working. But uh, you know, Andy, both Andy and Ron have a history of like favoritism to certain chassis, um, but almost always those chassis are like ten years out of production. Um, and I was like, you guys should just like get into Miata stuff. That way you have a steady supply of customers and chassis to work on. I don't know. I can't imagine shells for us. 2000s are going to get easier to find. Nope. No, which is why I think Andy's buying all of the ones he can find. Um, it's not a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I, I, he's not looking for work at the moment. He's, he's complaining about how busy he is. That's not a bad place to be either, right? No, it's, uh, no, it's not. I I was chit-chatting with him a little bit after the um, the K-tuned um, videos from Gears and Gasoline and the swap that he, yep. Andy had done, and uh, he he did say he got a lot more interest. But I, in terms of like the number of people willing to you know become a client, and yeah, those people are more they're harder to find, right? 
Right, I think those videos um, appeal to the hobbyists, the guys that want to do it themselves. Um, so I think he gets a lot of questions um, and not necessarily a lot of business from those sure. those kinds of things. I've learned some important lessons having worked on Ashley Subaru recently is um, I will happily work on a third car. So something I don't depend on to get to and from work or something Ashley doesn't depend on to get to and from work. But at the moment we only have two cars. And if I even try to do something simple and it invariably like there's always a problem and we're without one of those cars for like two weeks, it's, it costs me more time, more effort, and often more money than it would if I just paid someone. Right. For so. sure. Yeah, I just have to look at a car and, like, my knuckles are all scraped. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's It just doesn't go well for me. There's, there's some people that, and I, I guess it's probably true that every profession that, you know, when you get, when you do it every day, you get a, a very different, level of action. Well, and, and talking with Andy is, it's always so frustrating because he'll, he'll talk about some really complex job and he's like, Oh, I mean, it's easy as, as soon as you know what you're doing. And it's like, well, shit, you could say that about anything. Right. Um, and in my case, my problem is that I know what to do and I know how to do it. It's the execution of that task that I struggle with. Yeah. But, but even, I mean, your job, you must go into to scenarios like not knowing not having done it before not knowing how it's going to turn out but pretty confident that that you know the general path you're going to take and you're going to be able to deal with any hiccups that, that come up along the way usually and, and that's just doing it every day i think yeah most of the time uh the the problems that i encounter at work aren't rusty seized bolts though those are the ones that get me yeah hate those yeah um, having the right tool and knowing when to use it is also um, very handy. Yeah, my my problem, um, I'm like, if you give me a set of instructions and like the car were relatively new, I would absolutely be able to follow some instructions and do a task. Um, what I really am bad at, and I know uh, certainly Andy has it, and some of my, one of my old coworkers had it, was the ability to like... Uh, run into a scenario where, you know, option A, B, and C don't work and you just need to improvise a solution. I'm really bad at that where it's like, Oh, yeah. this, this thing, he doesn't fit. How do you make it work? And like, I am not the good at make it work guy. Sure. So I, I have a little story about that. Um, similar to that. So, so I was, uh, once on my way, um, out to RPM in Iowa uh, with my dad who was out from England we were going to go and, and play with Super K back when it was uh, not supercharged when it was uh, naturally aspirated and just outside of Des Moines, Iowa um, the basically a leaf spring broke on the trailer um, so we're parked up on the side of the road with a, a trailer um, with a car in it and a broken leaf spring so, of course, the first thing I do is call Andy. Well, actually, the first thing I did was call AAA, and they said, yep, we can't help you with that. Um, then I called Andy and was like, what should we do? And so he said, okay, you need to go buy a leaf spring from Fleet Farm and blah, blah, blah. And then he said, uh, use a ratchet strap on the axle. And I was like, use a ratchet strap on the axle? Okay. 
So I didn't know what that meant. Anyway, we, we were on the side of the road, this is true, for about seven hours. We broke it around lunchtime and it was dark by the time we got it fixed. But we were there for seven or eight hours on the side of the road. Not one car or cop stopped Interesting. To, to see how we were doing. But several trips over to the local fleet farm. I got a new um, a new leaf spring. And we uh, are where we get that thing changed. All of the, the bolts are, are the threads on, on the, like the U-bolts that hold that thing in. They were all like have been beaten by rocks. So they were all bent over. So it was like... You know, taking us half an hour, 45 minutes to get the nuts off the bolts to, to get the old leaf spring out. So the, you know, the old pieces is, is out from the shackles. And then get the new leaf spring in and we're trying to put it together. And it's like, man, there's a locating pin there that we got to get the axle on. So I like grab the axle and try and move it over and it's not moving. My dad does the same thing. And I'm like, oh. So I got run to the toolbox and, he said and I grab a ratchet strap. Right. I grab a ratchet strap. So I loop the ratchet strap around it, ratchet that thing down, and it just pops into place. We get the we actually had to use temporary bolts. We'd get the bolts on. We limp it to the, the hotel. Um, we got a new hotel, got to the hotel at like midnight. Um, just covered head to toe in grease and sweat and all that. God knows what the, the hotel clerk thought, but gave us two rooms anyway. Then we ran across the street. Uh, Iowa sells beer late. Grabbed us a pack of beer and went and had a beer before we went to bed and figured out uh-huh. what we can do tomorrow. So um, we get to the room, crack open a beer. My dad says to me, "Wow, I'm I'm really impressed. You like really quick thinking to get that that axle moved. I thought we we're gonna have a hell of a time with that." And for a second, I thought about taking the credit. And then it's, <laughs> it's like, well, on the phone, and he said, you know, use a ratchet strap on the next one. And I was like, what the hell is he talking about when he when he said that? But as <laughs> soon as I anyway, saw that, I had to the dots. Right. But, but those are the things, right? He's already predicting the problems I'm going to run into. And it's like, here's how I'd solve that problem that you don't know you're going to have yet. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my last problem was uh, when I was working on Ashley's car. Um, when I had installed axles on the Evo, um, it was it was a pain in the neck to get the axles out, um, but to get them to go back in and to seat them was actually really easy. It's like so easy, in fact, I didn't realize that it could be hard. Um, and uh, I had. Uh, ball joint like fiasco with Ashley's car over the last few weeks. And basically um, we got to the point where like Ashley was stranded on the side of the road because the axles had popped out. And so uh, I was in a position where we were like an hour, excuse me, no, like um, a mile from, uh, you know, a Firestone shop. And I just, I was like over it. I just took it to them and I, I said, you guys deal with this problem. And it ended up being quite expensive to have them fix it. But one of the problems was one of the axles that we had tried to replace, uh, the like C-clip on it, yeah, just was was deformed or something. And so the axle would not seat. And I was like, that's that's an annoying problem that I don't ever want to deal with. Like, Yeah. <laughs> so like you spend an hour or two hours trying to seat this thing only to realize, well, it's not going to work. So you have to drive it back to the auto parts store during a pandemic and be like, Hey, can, this axle's yeah. wrong. Can you give me another one? Ashley and I are trying to not go out, you know, 
to stores everywhere and then having to deal with this problem. I was like, just let someone else deal with it, man. I don't, I don't want any part of it. So you were supposed to be at RPM, what, last week or two weeks ago? Uh, yeah, last, le, um, when was it? Yeah, last week, Monday. We so you had a problem. There. We had a problem. Um, we, we had an issue with um, the car just quit on the dyno. It was on the dyno to get some, some random, or, or basically checks, right? It was all back together. It hadn't been dynoed since it went all back together. So Andy ran it on the dyno um, just to check on it. And, and this was like midday on the Saturday. We were going to RPM on the Monday. I was going to go up there, pick up the car, um, and, and head out Sunday evening. Um, so, yeah, it just quit on the dyno and, and wouldn't restart. Um, couldn't, get, couldn't get it started. It, it'd crank it, crank it, crank it, and then it would kind of pop and fire once and then not run. Um, so he spent like the rest of the day Saturday yeah, d- trying take, to get it. To take start. me down the path of the diagnostic here because I know I know what some of the endpoints are. I'd like to hear what how uh, serious it got or how how the well well let's try the next thing got to be like progressively more insane. Yep. So we so he spent the rest of the day Saturday. I was talking to him over, over Facebook uh, Messenger. And couldn't get it restarted. Said, okay, not a big deal. And then I kind of said that that never mind, forget about RPM. He was he was clearly frustrated with it, and also backed up with work and and what have you. So I said, just put it to the side. We'll figure it out later. Um, can't go to RPM now anyway. He actually messaged me and said, if I can get this running, can you still go? And I said no, uh, which was mainly to get him to not work on it anymore. Um, Saturday morning, he's like, I'm going to swap the other engine in. We've got two engines for the car, right? So he's like, I'm going to swap the other engine in. We need to test. That's a logical thing to do. Yeah, we need to test the spare engine anyway. So um, it says, I'm going to swap the other. Feeling better after I slept on it, I'm going to swap the the other engine in. 45 minutes later, I get a picture of the car with no engine in it. Um, And then maybe an hour after that, I get a picture of the car um, with the new engine in it saying, what time can you leave? Or what time do you want to leave? Oh, so, so I was like, okay, well, I can leave in like an hour and, and head up there. Anyway, in this period of time, he said, yeah, I get another message filled with expletives, same problem with this other engine. So it's like, okay, well, I'll come up there anyway. Um, and if we can get it running, we'll leave tonight. And, and if not, no, actually, I don't think I considered the if not. It's like, well, we swapped the new engine and we're going to get it running. So I get up there um, three and a half hours after that message and car still will not start. So talk to, kind of talk to him about what's going on. You know, what does an engine need? It needs fuel, it needs air, and it needs spark. And, and it needs compression. If it has those four things, it's going to run. might not run well, but it will run. So we start talking through what it could be. So we, you know, we've swapped the engine out, so we know it's not mechanical. So I say, okay, is the ECU fried? Nope, we've swapped the ECU out with a different ECU. 
Is it the coils? No, we've tried three sets of coils. We tried three sets of plugs. We know it's getting fuel. Um, we're filling up the exhaust manifold with, with fuel, um, which was interesting. So we um, thought maybe it was stuck, uh, stuck injectors. So we swapped out injectors. Um, we tested the, the injectors, actually had them out of the car um, with the fuel rail being, being held on and watched them spraying. So we knew it was spraying. Um, we knew it had compression. Um, we tried it without the turbo on, so we knew it wasn't the turbo, and the turbo spun freely. Um, and we were down to the point, oh, we, we had the, the spark plugs out of the, the car as well, and, and saw them all sparking. Um, theorized maybe bad fuel. It has all these other things. It has to be bad fuel at that point. So we took a sample of the fuel and I went and dumped it in the parking lot and set it on fire and it all burned well, which not the most scientific test, I'm sure, for fuel, but, but it at least burned. It wasn't Good enough. water. Yeah. Um, and we spent three hours trying to figure this out. And in the end, we had to give up. And, and, and that night, so, so Sunday or midday Saturday through... It was about nine o'clock when I left the shop. Um, we we played with the PDM. Is the PDM screwing something up? You know, not supplying enough power. Do we just have a weak spark, or or what do we have? Uh, can't figure it out. Um, had the timing light on the the engine, and it was firing at top dead center. So it you know it wasn't a timing issue. Um, couldn't figure it out. But you know we've swapped ECUs. We've swapped engines. We've swapped. It's an, a whole new set of sensors, so it's it. You know, it's not like we've got a bad sensor somewhere, and we're validating all the readings. Um, swap coils three times. Swap plug, spark plugs three times. Swapped injectors. Um, swap basically everything. Um, on the car, except the fuel pump, but we can see that we're getting a lot of fuel, um, so it should at least run. But it would just. You know, every once in a while it would fire maybe twice, you know, two two ignition events, and then it would just quit. It's not going into any fail safes or anything like that, so we ruled all that out. So anyway, went home that night, defeated, didn't go to RPM on the Monday, and then about mid mid Monday morning I get a message from Andy with a picture of, of the old engine that was out of the car and the crank pulley on it. And I asked, I said, I don't know what I'm looking at. What am I looking at? And and he's, it was the crank trigger wheel had had eaten the key and had shifted. So the the timing was off. Basically, it wasn't, you know, what the ECU was seeing was not where the, the crank was, not where the timing was. On the new engine that we had put in, um, apparently the we put a, a fluid damper on there to try and dampen some of the harmonics of that, that K-series. And the timing mark on that was off 90 degrees from where it should be. And then also there was something that, that had happened on the car, um, either with it being installed, but had offset that 90 degrees so that the timing light showed it firing at the right time. Wow. And both those things, so the crank, crank trigger wheel on engine one and that timing mess up on engine two resulted in the exact same symptoms on both engines. With completely different causes. With completely different causes or, or you know, 
very different causes and and so um, and he wasted two days of his life chasing that well uh, I guess uh, now he will have a thing that he can think to check if there's ever a similar problem yeah I asked him when we were up there I said have you, I mean the car ever had you stumped like this before he said no let's set it on fire and buy a Porsche <laughs> it's probably a good idea it, it was a much better idea than what we've done. It to me, I think it's amazing that like he's he's done so much of this kind of work that now the pulling an engine out and swapping a new one in in the course of like an hour or two is is now a reasonable like yeah that makes sense let's let's just do that we want to we want to rule it out. Uh, yeah. Well. Yes. That's true. And, and part of it is this rewire that we've done has made that simpler um, because there's a lot less stuff in the way. Um, he's, he's pretty excited with how serviceable the car is now. Um, but, but we were at the point of, you know, let's pull the whole wiring harness out and trace every wire and check every wire, which even with our simplified harness was going to be a, a big ordeal. Hard, yeah. But... But speaking of that, you know, pulling an engine and putting it back in, um, we basically will be traveling with a spare engine now, I, I think is the plan. Um, in true with, time attack fashion? Yes, yes, with the expectation that that if we need to, we will swap it in the paddock. Well, um, I, I think a key difference between you and some of the other time attackers that have, you know, K-motors in their trailer is that you're buying, you know, $800 eBay motors and just putting them in instead of like these aren't these aren't sleeved blocks with like crazy headwork and new pistons and rods and all that. You're like yeah, these are just they're just Honda motors. Yeah, they're pretty much stock motors. They've got they've got a few things on them. Like we're going to have um, oil two pump and manifolds things. and oil pump and yeah, um, some coolant adapters and, and things like that that are going to be on the engine ready to go in but but the idea being that we can we can get that swap time down as to to where we need it to be or, or as short as possible at the track with um with that motor uh with with that kind of setup if you are not airflow limited on the turbo at, at what point do you start to see major failures on the the hardware of the engine itself i don't know yet uh we haven't seen any um so we'll find i think I think we're planning on finding out this year. That'll be exciting. Um, <laughs> just don't uh, just don't do it during a festival yeah, session. Festival. Well, Ugh. you you made the festival event the last event of the year now. Um, that is true. Um, and I think it was you who said that you'd actually prefer that scenario. So we'll we'll see. I I saw that change get made because obviously we're all kind of stressed about. The, the schedule changes and everybody wants to get out and track and you know we're all, we're all very selfish in that regard um, whereas you and, and Adam and Chris are worrying about you know how do you keep a viable business when you, you're not allowed to, to sell your product um, so you know we're expecting changes and, and no matter what those changes are going to be we're going to do our best to be supportive even if you know it's not ideal yeah. Um, but I saw that switch, and I'm like, why is it not like that every year? That's the best thing ever. Ending on a festival in the fall, you know, 
But somebody on the, the Street Mug group chat today said there's going to be way more night sessions now at the festival event. It's going to be the best thing ever. Yeah, yeah it'll probably be pretty good. The only thing that uh, you can count on, though, with the October event is almost always it will rain. Um, yeah, cause, and it'll cause probably be chilly. But in the last few years, it's rained at festival anyway. So yeah, we had a beautiful festival last year, right? With the I heard there was like canopies ending up on the track, and and like uh, someone's motorhome got swept away to Kansas or something. If uh, if you go to Gingerman, I don't know if it's still there, but it was in October. Um, back by the RV dump station, which is like on the other side of the Gingerman barn, like down past the house, there is a mountain, a small mountain of metal that was like, uh, the boneyard for, uh, pop-up canopies. And it was, it was probably like 15 feet high and 40 feet across. And it was like, just, just framework from pop-up canopies that got broken at Midwest. Just hanging out. Yeah. So See, was, uh, I, I, I was looking at, at mid, uh, festival this year being early June, thinking that's, I mean, we're, we're coming with basically the same car we had last year at that point. So, so having it in, in October, um, all the bugs should be worked out. Everybody should have their A game. Um, I think. So, but you've, think you've had killer. a little bit of arrow work done. Uh, what have you done yes. on that front? Uh, so we we last year we had our um, uh, homemade splitter. The splitter I bought from Andy um, when I first bought the car, and that that splitter's been to um, Vegas on when he took his his car to Optima, um, and I bought it from him, and and so we had that, and and it was getting pretty beat up. Um, so we talked to our friends out in Colorado at Zebulon, and they made us a. a pretty neat um splitter to match to the the cr bumper that we got put on there um and it has the the tunnels and diffusers and all that kind of stuff in it and it's it's nicely profiled and it's it's honestly a beautiful piece of work um so we got that on there now um we actually got that mounted um got it mounted a few weeks ago but now we've got the air dam all attached to it and got it all sealed off and, and stuff like that so that's going to be uh, is that going to be relatively easy to uh, attach and um, uh, disconnect to load onto the trailer? Yep, it's super easy. It, it's four bolts and it comes off. So we've got two bolts and the bump comes off and then four bolts and the splitter comes off. Oh, that'll work. And yeah, it's 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 super easy. Everything that, that we've done um, has been, you know, we've, we've tried to put a lot of thought into, after we had everything apart, as it's gone back in, it's been, how do we make this easy to service? Will this need to come off and how will it need to come off? And, and, you know, even attaching our air dam, we were talking about where's the best place to attach it and to make the car serviceable. So you're not having to undo a bunch of stuff to get at what you need to get at. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to get it on and off. Uh, no splitter rods out front anymore. We've got one of those cool splitters that just kind of hangs out the front of the car. Um, and it looks awesome, and I think it's going to work, and we'll see in a couple of weeks, hopefully, when we get out to do some testing. What's uh, are, you, are you anticipating going back to RPM? Yes, yeah. Uh, so hopefully in the next two weeks we'll be out at RPM um, to, to do some testing. Um, I'd love to get to Gingerman at some point. 
Um, that I know the guys are, are going to DCTC at some point in the near future as well, but, but that'll be during the week, so I won't be able to go. Um, now, uh, so, yeah. I think I remember uh, last year you had put uh, a new diff in. Is that... Uh, like is is that strong enough to hold the amount of power and torque that your car is making now? I, I think so. Um, I think so. We had um, what did we have? At, I think at Speedring we had the ATS different. So we've got two um, LSDs. We've got uh, an Oskaiken uh, Superlock LSD, and we've got an ATS Carbon Carbon yeah. LSD. Um, and I'm pretty sure we were running the ATS diff when we broke it at speed ring. Um, but I think maybe that was your skyking. Actually, I think that was your skyking. We broke it at speed ring and we've been, we'd had that basically all year. Um, and that included one life of America, which is every track events, a standing start launch, um, and several drag passes. We like, we kept progressing in the drag bracket. So we kept having to do more drag launches. Um, and then speed ring at the speed sprints, we were, you know, desperately trying to beat Sean's time. Um, and so we were going back time after time to launch and launch and launch. And I think that's what did it in. I don't think it was the power we were making. Um, it was just launching it. Um, but this new, the new diff, the ATS diff has, um, a couple of pieces, like a, a solid collar and, and a couple of other things that supposedly solve all the, the S2000 diff breaking problems. Gotcha. So we'll see. What uh, we'll see. I mean, now that you've basically done everything, what's left? There's always more to do. We haven't done everything. So every time, every year, I've only had this car four years, but every big change we've made, we look back and say, man, the car was so simple that now it's super complicated. Now it's a real race car. And, and then we get to the next step and it's like, wow, the car was so simple then. And, and so on and so forth. So there's there's more to do. So we've got we've actually got a pretty solid calendar of of in season upgrades um, coming. Um, and and you know the funny part of all of this, and I hope my wife can't hear me now. But the funny part of all of this was um, we we're at PRI in December, and I had the white body kit that I knew was going to go on the car. Um, and I think it was Sean asked me, so what's, what's the plans for this year? And I said, well, there's no real, no big plans. It's just, it's going to be a, a winter of refinement. We're just going to make everything better. Um, plus the white body. And, and when I told him that I, that I meant it, I genuinely meant what I said. It was going to be a year of refinement. We're just going to make it, you know, we, we wanted to work on cooling. We wanted to work on the diff cooling and, and a couple of other things, but, but nothing major. Um, and then with this repaint that we had to do because we had to do the white body. So the white body had to get painted and, and that, um, stock yellow color was a difficult color to paint and the rest of the body needed to be touched up. And Makaya said he would do it. So we decided to paint it a whole new wild color. Uh, one thing led to another. We've stripped the car down to a bare shell and rewired the whole car. We've cut up pieces that we don't need anymore. We've um, we got a new um, roof that's going to be going on the car um, that we just kind of fell into um, through 
some people that we knew that had this carbon fiber shop and they had this one-off um, carbon skin for a roof for the S2000. So they said, hey, Well, you had a composite this. roof already, didn't you? Yeah, this is just a carbon skin that we okay. have right now. So we've got to figure out how to mount it, but the thing weighs like three pounds for the whole roof. It's it's crazy light. So we've got to figure out how to, to get it on there and, and to get on the car and stay on the car. But, but that thing is a complete custom one-off roof um, that How's nobody look? else in the world. It looks fine. It looks like an OEM, um, OEM hardtop. Interesting, it looks, but it weighs it three pounds. Fun. It weighs like three pounds because it's got no structure to it. There's no way to mount it right now. We've got to build all that in, so we're going to add weight to it. But damn. But yeah, it's so we got we kind of lucked into that. Um, then we talked to Zebulon over the winter. You know, that was obviously a need. Was the front arrow was? Are they doing? Um, are they doing CFD with that as well, or is it kind of? Um, components that are um, modular in general i think it's mainly a modular wing i i it, i so he's worked on um other s2000 so where the development came from i'm not sure but i think that the core splitter is his this is what we do with an s2000 splitter um i sent him the template for the cr bumper so he he made it to the rules around the cr bumper uh, and then he added, he asked if we wanted end plates on it, so we put end plates on it, and he asked if we wanted um, uh, diffusers in it, so we put diffusers in it. Um, it's not the craziest looking splitter, but but I think the doubles and the details, and, and when you really look at the details, it looks pretty slick. So what did but you we'll use see. to, um, to, like, uh, the, to seal up the area between the... Um the the lip and the splitter yep so um between the lip so we the the splitter can go up and down um and we can adjust the angle of it as well um what we did was we took um some plastic that uh, matt to Ruth actually recommended that that i use this this roll of plastic so we, we bought some of that plastic um to make the actual air down and then we took a long um, L-bracket aluminum, uh, not really an L-bracket, but a long piece of aluminum L-stock, like a, a inch and a half by inch and a half inch by inch, something like that. Um, and then kind of cut notches in that so we could bend it. Oh, I see. Bend that to form. Then we, we double-sided taped that onto the top of the splitter. Um, and riveted the plastic to that that piece. Then um, we took some of the like foam insulation and put that onto the bumper. So stuck that onto the leading edge of the bumper. So the splitter, the the air dam kind of butts up against that and uh, pretty tight and seals against that um, foam. Um, and then we did a few things around the radiator and intercooler to stop air from escaping underneath the radiator yep. and intercooler and out the back. Very cool. Now, um, I remember in October, you guys were, were fighting some intake air temps and things, and Andy was Andy was working hard to make sure that the turbo inlet was as clean as possible. Did you, did you figure out all the details on how to make that work and be as clean as possible? Uh, so 
we weren't really fighting intake temps. Uh, we were just trying to get every little bit we could out of what we brought that day. Um, but yeah, we're we're gonna do we're gonna the the car's gonna have a couple of personalities. It's gonna have you know the regular go out and run twenty minute sessions personality with everything on it, um, and then it's going to have the you know we're chasing something whether it's a win or a record or whatever it may be um, and then we'll probably have the intake out the hood or, or something like that um, to, to get as cold of air as possible into the car um, so that the car will have a couple of modes or a couple of personalities um, for this year depending on what it is we're going for probably what you're going for is winning every time right uh, I mean, why are we showing up if we're not trying to do that? Well, uh, that's probably true. <laughs> but but th I think there's there's some events we're going to have a better chance than others. Uh, I think Road America we're going to struggle at. We we don't have the big power that some of the other guys are going to have. Um, well, but your, if you look at your drivetrain loss is less than the all-wheel drive cars. And um, I mean, I don't know. You and Dewey are probably pretty close to evenly matched on power. So I would... I'm kind of surprised that you wouldn't have the advantage there. No, we're way down on power from Dewey. Way down. At all least you guys are sandbaggers. I, I, you're all in the 500s range. Dewey's like at 650. He says 600. He's easy 650. Eric Rockwell's going to be at... Eric Rockwell's saying he's at 700 and is threatening yeah. to come with 800. Well, that doesn't surprise me actually, because I've seen pictures of the uh, the, the GT five hundred that he's planning to bring. So, right. So I think Road America, that thing's going to be going to be um, awesome, where he's not going to be limited by um, his weight, lack um, of tire that, that car has, and yeah, lack of tire relative to the weight of the car when he can really let it stretch its legs, and and that thing's going to come into its own. Same with Dewey. I, I don't think we we have a chance at road America if everybody can perform at their peak, but then Turn I think that some of the, the other tracks, we, we're going to have a very good chance. Um, some of the tracks that, that suit us best, I think we will, we will do very well at. And then I think at places like Gingerman that are incredibly balanced. Um, I think it's going to be a, uh, a good dog fight. Well, I, um, I, I'm just, hoping for uh, a Dewey Moss rematch where you guys can trade records back and forth for an entire session because that in terms of like traditional time attack, that was probably one of the more interesting sessions that we've ever seen. It was fun. It was fun to be part of. Um, and it was fun that we were out at the same time as well. So I could see him the whole way and, and I know if how much time he spent looking in his mirror is probably not a whole lot, but if he did, he could see me too. Yeah. So well, that um, was fun. <laughs> we're into this for almost an hour. Uh, you have a new Facebook page. So tell everyone where to go if they want to get Super K updates. Yeah. So Super K Adventures is our Facebook page. Um, that's where we um, post everything that we're doing with the car. Well, not everything, but, but everything we want to tell everybody about that we're doing with the car. Um, 
obviously AS Motorsports uh, Andy built the car uh, so AS Motorsports uh, Facebook page where you can see the other stuff that, that he's working on um, and then we did just launch an e-commerce store for Andy as well and, and AS Motorsports which is shopasmotorsports.com and you can buy things like case swap packages or hats for ASM um, we might put some super K stickers up there we've got updated super K stickers with the green logo now no, oh, that's um, exciting. And then uh, we can you can buy the PDM that we have and and all kinds of stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's basically just like a you know the development car where uh, you guys have have figured out all the things that work and now customers have the ability to just like buy it. Yes, for a lot less than I spent on it. <laughs> I think uh, Super K, that's probably true across the board, right? Where you guys have, in in large part, been figuring this out on your own. And now everything's kind of easy because it's all figured out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 part of R&D. What we're doing is R&D. Um, we're, we're figuring it out. We're testing it. We're seeing what works, what doesn't work. Um, and, and, you know, we, we've, I say we. Um, you know, and he's come up with a pretty good recipe for, for putting these things together. And, and every time I go to the shop, which is fairly frequently, there's a new car in there getting a case swap. Um, and it's usually gone the next week. And he's so fast. So fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, it's been super fun talking to you. Um, and I hope that we get a chance to see you maybe before Midwest or maybe before the Midwest, um, gingerman event which is in early june um but i don't know because uh well we could have a new baby anytime now so yes uh, we were quite concerned that i was gonna i was quite concerned that i was gonna miss my first midwest festival in since i've got involved with grid life and it doesn't seem like i'm gonna miss festival right now so that's that's not too bad well that's handy and and, right i I saw the pictures on facebook and there's something glaringly missing from those pictures, and that is that epic stash I saw you in last week. I, you know, um, that was that was a non-negotiable. Uh, my my <laughs> wife was adamant that I had to shave the quarantine stash, and well, here's the thing: I, I shaved it on what Sunday morning because um, we we had these photos taken yesterday. Um, I shaved it on Sunday morning and she was out somewhere and I, I texted her a picture and I said, I look weird without the stash. And she said, yeah, no, you, you looked, you looked really weird with it. And, and if anybody wants to see it, I have a picture. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- I think I'm going to bring the stash back. You know, the only person rocking a better stash than me, uh, in, in this period, I think was, uh, Sean Fenton from grid life. He's got, he's got a good looking Western stash coming in. Oh yeah, so we'll see, but uh, I don't know. Um, I really appreciate having you on the show, and uh, well, now that we can record our stuff a lot easier, I expect you're going to be on the show more often, whether you like it or not. Sounds like a plan to me. I like being here. All right, talk to you later. All right, sounds good. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at Grid Life to say hello. Hello.